Apocalypse is now the podcast where we watch the end of the world over and over again. My name is Morgan Morse. My name is Ron, not Morse. Ron, uh, what do we do on this podcast? Yeah, so we watch Apocalypse movies and we talk about them. Uh, this is season two of Apocalypse is now. So if you have not listened to us before, that's totally fine. That's cool. Yeah, that's okay. You, you didn't listen to this one. Yeah. But you should go back to episode one. Yeah, really for sure. Yeah. There's, there's no like real overarching narrative other than a segment that we do at the end of the show that we add on to gradually. Uh, but you can come in at any point, just make sure to go back and listen to all of the other episodes. So for today, we watched the movie the day after tomorrow. It's um, a good thing you did this part this time. Cause I was legit going to say today we watched apocalypses now <laughs> uh. the podcast. And it just becomes yeah. this, mc escher thing where it's just collapsing in on itself um it's too meta um yeah we watched the day after tomorrow which came out in 2004 you gotta have the page pulled up we Ooh. said we weren't gonna Amateur. do it anymore we no weren't i said we weren't we weren't gonna joke about it anymore okay all right get all off right, that right. damn phone the oh no you're pulling it up after <laughs> tomorrow I'm doing work for our podcast, right? Yeah, 2004. 2004. But now keep it up. Who's the director? Uh, the come director, on, you gotta. The director. Well, this one I know. The, oh, okay. the director is our boy, uh, Roland Emmerich. He loves to end the world. He yeah. loves to destroy monuments and landmarks. I like to imagine he has in his big rich person house. He just like has a basement where he has little models of all the major world cities. And every now and then he just goes down there with like a hammer and he just like smashes them up. Um, yeah, directed and I think probably co-written because he usually co-writes this stuff by Roland Emmerich. Starring Dennis Quaid, Jake Gyllenhaal, Emmy Rossum. Uh, audiences, quick little premise for you for Day After Tomorrow if you haven't seen it. It's about a paleoclimatologist who discovers climate change is going to bring the world into a new ice age. And lo and behold, it happens like a week later. <laughs> Super quickly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, and this is going to happen. And then it, it does. It follows a group of people trying to survive during the superstorms that uh, assail the planet. Yeah. Yes. I believe the concept is that because of climate change, somehow the North Atlantic current has been disrupted. And this is a real thing. Now, everything else about the science of this movie, I would say, is uh, tenuous at best. <laughs> I'm not a scientific person, but even hearing them say some things like Dennis Quaid, he's the paleoclimatologist. He said, we've hit a critical desalinization point. I'm like, OK, even if that's real, that sounds so lame. Critical desalinization. <laughs> desalinization point. Hey, why'd your planet it's not end? salty? Ah. Enough? It's, it's, yeah, it's not, not salty, salty enough, enough, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. need some more NACL in there. Yeah, we've reached a critical not salty point. This shit's bland as fuck, everyone. <laughs> we've cr hit a critical no seasoning point. 
we've hit what's called the white people barbecue point <laughs> of apocalypses. <laughs> we need to get it back. Why don't you talk about what's going on in New York right now? Just because. It's oh yeah, I was gonna, I was yeah. gonna bring that up. So it is, yeah. As we're watching this uh, movie, which is very much about climate change, I am currently in Manhattan. And I just happened to get here at the right time for uh, a large portion of Nova Scotia to have caught on fire. And the smoke from that fire has wafted delightfully over a large swath of land, including Manhattan. So we've been getting air quality alerts for the past like three days. And we've gone from bad quality to now hazardous hazardous to be outside and breathe the air new yorkers you thought you were you thought you were done with masks <laughs> yeah you thought, now you gotta you wear thought. them outside morgan be real with me half of 2023 is done pretty much yeah. how many times throughout this half year have you given a moderate amount of thought to the question like oh man is the world gonna end soon uh i'm gonna give you a, a good old 25 Holy crap. I thought you were going to say like five. What? That's 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 like more. That's almost five per month. What's up, dude? You good? Yeah, it feels right. <laughs> What's up with me? What's up with the world? Okay. Whoa. No, Whoa. I don't know. I, you know, I, I just, uh, I have to, I have to have hope. We need hope in order to be able to actually do something about it. Because the thing that the thing that I'm most afraid of and the thing that I think will be the most harmful is for people to just throw up their hands and say, well, that's it. There's the end, you know. And I get it because there's so many points that we've already gone past in terms of climate change. But there's there's still a lot of things that we can turn around. And I think if we start being nihilistic about it, then we're just going to be even more fucked. So I sort of have to... I have to cultivate some hope. For me, I feel like it's important to keep moving through the cycle of emotions. Yeah. Because it, I think it's okay to feel nihilistic as long as you don't get stuck in it. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's okay to feel angry as long as you don't get stuck in it. It's okay to feel, to grieve it and to yeah. keep moving through it. Like you're going to go through cycles of it. And for me, it's hard to cling to hope when I don't actually feel it because then it's like, the despair almost grows like is like feeding on it it's like oh yeah you have hope I'm like, I'm <laughs> let me eat that look at, look at all these terrible things <laughs> yum, yum. so i'm i'm trying to learn to lean into like the cycle of it and and believing that as much despair as i might feel right now not that i do right now that on the other side i'll get somewhere else even if it's like rage or sadness or hope again yeah. or joy and rage is rage is absolutely helpful too uh, I think we could use some more rage. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've been thinking, I've been like in my head, you know, doing the thing where I'm like, how, how, how can we solve this? How can I come up with a plan in my head to unite everyone? And <laughs> I'm just you like, how can I start a worldwide strike? How, is that possible for me to do? Can I get everybody to walk out of work for a month? Is that something I can do? <laughs> you see a headline and you're like, it's on me. It's on me. It's my job. Which, of course, is actually one of the ways of thinking that I think we need to get out of is this idea of, like, I can somehow be the hero in this. It's only through it's only through collective action that we can get anything done, you know? Yeah. So anyway, back to the movie. Glizzies. Um, so these men all have huge mouths. Ron was ex obsessed with glizzies. 
guys, all these men had huge mouths. Like they'd talk, <laughs> I'd be like, your mouth is opening a little too big for that. Whoa, you can fit like two glizzies in there, man. I mean, I've heard the term glizzy so many times. And I was like, I'm reasonably sure that's a hot dog. I'm reasonably sure that's what that means with other associated meanings. But like, I'm pretty sure that the the primary pop cultural definition is a hot dog. But I did Google it because I wasn't oh, sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Glizzy means hot dog. For those of you listening who don't know, Glizzy <laughs> means hot dog. If you're an ancient dinosaur like Morden, Glizzy means hot dog. Yeah. But people kept talking. So many characters in this movie, when they spoke, I'm like, they're doing ADR right now. Like yeah. they added that dialogue back in later because their mouths are not matching to what they're saying. Does not but match up. I kept seeing like, man, you could fit like three Glizzies in that mouth. <laughs> Halfway through the movie, there's a man eating a hot dog and they spend like 20 seconds on it. How yeah. often you mean, oh, run, hot dog. That's not all that unique or special. How many times have you watched an apocalypse movie and they're housing a glizzy? Please answer <laughs> that to me. Please. No, I summoned it. I have a pulse on the culture. Yeah, you did. You did. They're going to put way more glizzies in apocalypse movies now. There are wolves in this movie. There are wolves in this movie. What did you talk about the wolves? I was saying in chat, I was like, Roland Emmerich talking to a producer and the producer is like oh yeah this is great uh, this disaster movie you got hurricanes and tornadoes and quick freezes and 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 freak waves uh, what else are you gonna put in there and Roland Emmerich is like wolves and the producer's like oh that's funny and he's like no seriously there's gonna be wolves in there because <laughs> like halfway through the movie there's all this stuff going on and then there's this little subplot about a it's like a zookeeper or something in in new york and as all these disasters are happening the wolves escape and then the main characters have to fight the wolves at some point in the movie um because nothing is too outlandish for roland emmerich that is the thing that i'm learning um the more movies that we watch well roll i'm sure roland showed the test screening to his child like, oh what do you what do you think little roland wolves I want wolves. Daddy, put the wolves in. Actually, it was a movie all about wolves. And then the teacher was like, I want a climate disaster. I want a movie about climate disaster. I want disaster. a hurricane, father. Well, little child, I pitched wolves to the studio. There must be wolves in here. The title of the, title of the movie was wolves. <laughs> I, want, I, I want a very cold storm. I, <laughs> I want several cold storms that cover the whole world. And I want one of them to get sepsis. <laughs> I want Emmy Rossum to get sepsis. What, Emmy? like in the movie? No. <laughs> oh, God. Roland Emmerich's kid is just fucked up. This is a fucked up kid. Ch child, may I keep the wolves at the very least? <laughs> I suppose so. Now now bring me, bring me my... My pate. <laughs> and the boy from Danny Darko. I want him in the film, too. I want him in the film as well. Make him precocious. <laughs> Just like myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to be clear, that was a German accent that I was attempting to do, just in case I wandered into any other accent I... that somebody might be like, is that insensitive what he's doing? And yeah, maybe it is for Germans, but I feel like Germans are fair game. I also tried. I know I did terrible. 
but screw everyone who's criticizing me right now. I did my best. <laughs> yeah, all you angry tweets that we get as our show. <laughs> I, can you um, teach me how to keep an accent? Because even when I, I'm Filipino, and Jace, Jace, I haven't said enough for you audience, Jace, I haven't outed myself enough. I'm Filipino. And when I try and speak with a Filipino accent, for some reason, turns Jamaican. And like that's like one of my native accents, you know? So how do you keep an accent, Morgan? Oh, I don't know. I don't work on them enough. Um, uh, the serious answer is that it's just about like grabbing on to little things that you know you can hit every time, like little just like vowel changes. But even then, I I I, I fuck it up. I'll be doing it for a little while, and then it there. I I have the same thing where it will frequently be like all roads lead to this one accent. Uh, where I'll try to do several different things and that'll it, it inevitably ends up like Swedish or something. Yeah. You know, it's just no matter what I do. Um yeah, I'd love to master some more some more accents. What are Australian's a really tough one, I feel like. Really? Yeah. Okay. Give me give me something to say. I'll give you my Australian. Okay. Uh what's a line from the movie? Um just realizing no, there are no memorable lines in this movie um no no there was actually a funny one what was that funny sequence uh oh there's a whole bunch here on tax law that we can definitely burn at one point there's a bunch of survivors that are um holed up in the new york public library uh and they begin to burn books uh in order to stay warm so that's your that's your sentence and in case we weren't clear enough, these superstorms are like ice storms. Like they yeah. freeze people. In the eye of the storm, you get frozen immediately. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right, mate. All right, there is. There, all right, mate. There's a bunch on tax law we can burn over here. Over, ah, there's a bunch on tax law we can burn. Burn? Burn? O over? There's a bunch on tax law we can burn. That's not bad. Burn. Burn over here one of the biggest pitfalls is when you're doing an accent you think that you have to change more things than you do sometimes people will be doing an accent and they'll just change a vowel because they feel like a like everything must have to be different when in fact there are some like vowel sounds and stuff that are just that are just the same and you don't need to you don't need to change them at all so that was the day after tomorrow accent challenge. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you, all you TikTok kids love that one. Yeah, wild movie. Um, very 2004. With Roland Emmerich films, I always feel like the disaster is the character with the most agency. Totally. Which is so, I thought I didn't like that, but it's interesting in its own way. Um, yeah, it's like when it works, it works. You know what I mean? When you, when, when it's, when it's, firing on all cylinders and i can just sort of buy into it and buy into the fact that like most of these characters are kind of cardboard cutouts then it like it's like its own genre you know it, like obviously apocalypse movies but like specifically this is like its own genre obviously i can't know roland's intention but it felt like the film wanted to put humanity under a stress test and show the audiences what happens when when you do that but like you said the characters are cardboard cutouts so what are you really stress testing here? Yeah, I don't know. No. I don't know. Well, sorry, I'm going to interrupt myself to say another divorced dad. Is he divorced? Is Roland divorced? 
I don't know. I don't know if he is. Um, that's, I'm seeing a pattern. I'm seeing I, a pattern. It's not just his movies, though. There's so many, like, either divorced dads or dads with marriage troubles. It like, was like that in Greenland. Separated. Greenland. Uh, Greenland, 2012. This movie. We haven't watched this one yet, but War of the Worlds is a divorced dad. Um, what else? I think, uh, what was the other... No, we haven't watched other any other Roland Emmerich yet. I don't think. Hey, here's what ha- here's what it is. They're like, hey, we gotta we got we gotta put a man as the hero. Yeah. Well, they got we gotta give him a flaw. He doesn't treat women right. Audiences will forgive that. Audiences Done. Will, yeah. <laughs> got it fair, in one. The divorced dads, they're all like fine people. It wasn't like they were fucking misogynists or anything, as far yeah. as we could tell. Yeah. <laughs> okay, explain this to me. What practical what practical benefit did was there from Dennis Quaid walking all the way to New York? To None. None. Cool. Cool. Not a single cool. practice. I was thinking that the entire time that was happening. I was like, I know you want to be reunited with your kid, but it had literally no impact on your kid surviving. And in fact, in fact, one of your friends died because you were trying to make it up there. And what did it do? It did nothing. They would have all, all gotten saved yeah. anyway. <laughs> all that happened was that helicopters came later. Yeah. Like. it w- there, there was no point to it. <laughs> okay. I Okay. I see an argument for something. Which what? still is moot. The president was waiting for confirmation that people actually survived in New York before sending helos. True. But they and could did, have just sent helos to check afterwards. Yeah. Oh, did did Dennis Quaid send a message of some sort that alerted them? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. Which well, is something. I guess. But even then, after the storm passed, they could have just they should have just sent helos anyway. They'd be like, okay, who we got? Yeah, of course. We just check up on all the major cities and be like, yeah. what's up? Anybody alive? All right. We've this is season two. This is season two. We've watched several apocalypse movies so far let's break them down what makes a good apocalypse movie what makes a good apocalypse movie yeah i feel like either you have to go the total just spectacle route which i feel like when roland emmerich movies work that's why they work is because it's just about the spectacle it's just about sort of the the thrill of seeing things being destroyed basically um so either you have to go for that or i think you have to focus on the human perspective and like keep it grounded in like one person or a couple people because i think it's really hard you know especially in these kinds of movies where they don't have the greatest handle on character anyway and then they try to have like six characters be sort of like splitting the main character role and then you just don't have enough time for anybody i feel like greenland really worked because it was just so focused on this one family and their perspective and everything was from their point of view i really like that in apocalypse movie it's sort of the idea of like always seeing everything from the perspective of a person on the ground which is not what you get with roland emmerich you always like zoom out and get like the the big picture and like see everything happening but i always love it when it's like no this is what a person is seeing on the street as this shit is going down 
Yeah, and it's hard because I didn't understand why there'd be that impulse to try and capture it all. Because when an apocalypse happens, it brings out all of everything, you know? Yeah. Like all of the rage, all of the love, all of the despair. Yeah. Um, but something we talked about earlier that I think is very important to a successful apocalypse movie for the characters and for the audience is hope. Like there mm. has to be some possibility of something. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's an impending meteor or if it's like uh, a killer tomatoes, there there has to be some feeling within us that there is some way out. Even if by the end it turns out, no, everyone dies. Throughout the journey, there has to be something. Like some something we're hoping for, some solution we're wanting, some way out that is right. within sight. Because otherwise... You're just plodding. Just, you're just plodding yeah. along and you're just like, oh, God, this sucks. Even a movie like, uh, which we haven't watched yet, um, Seeking Your Friend for the End of the World, where they're like, yep, apocalypse insured. They give the protagonist a different goal and make that the hope of like trying to connect with someone before the, mo- before the apocalypse comes. So whether it's like a way out or even just like some kind of goal before the apocalypse comes, there has to be something pulling you forward. Because otherwise, just like it's just the end. Right. Which is just depressing. Sometimes even if a movie has that, I'll just feel fatigued. Like I'll just be watching it and I'll just be like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Like a thousand people just died. There's just like a, a 30 second shot and a thousand people just died. Oh, that sucks. One of the worst deaths in the film kind of didn't even have to do with the apocalypse. They were, to me, uh, they were, Dennis and his crew were walking to New York and they ended up on top of a mall and one of them, they were all linked together. One of them accidentally crashed through one of the ceiling panes and he was hanging and he was causing too much weight and cracking the glass beneath his two comrades. So he just cut himself loose died from falling from a great height can't imagine that was painless or quick can't nope. cannot imagine wouldn't that that would that would suck to be like in an apocalypse and die for a completely non-apocalyptic reason <laughs> oh like, fuck my you... tattoo got infected <laughs> yeah, exactly just like a meteor is coming down and you like slip on a banana peel and hit Ooh. your head and you're just like no come on <laughs> at least i at least crush me with a falling rock or something I want to be part of it. FOMO, <laughs> apocalypse death FOMO. Ap- no! FOMA. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. That would be a great skit. Like some apocalyptic situation. There's all these survivors crowded together and they're going through and they're like, yeah, I broke my hand while I was climbing my way out of the rubble. And I, I, oh my God, I got this cut when I, I scraped myself on a jagged piece of glass and they're like, how'd you, how'd you get your injury? <laughs> and one guy's just, oh, you know, and I can't, can't remember at this point, really. He ate and beans too hard. What's that? He ate beans too hard. He got too excited. He ate the beans. He smashed the can into his face. That's how he got that black guy. He ate beans too hard. No, no, the beans fell from the uh, ceiling. No, look, watch. It's the perfect shape of no. spruce. Look at this no. beans. Eat these beans. Watch what happens when you eat these beans. He goes crazy. Slam. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so uh, in the movie, Jake Gyllenhaal basically confesses to his crush, Emmy Rossum, uh, that he joined the debate team just for her. What's your, tell me, your, your crush stories. Tell me. When you, told, when you looked at the person, you're like, hey, Joseph, Lett, I like you. Oh, man. This will be fun because I actually, I don't know if uh, she listens to the podcast. So if she does, then she'll be like, oh, hey, that's me. Friend of mine, we were doing a show right before the pandemic hit. Like right before the pandemic hit. It hit while we were in rehearsals. And uh, literally like the day after Broadway shut down, I think, when everything was still very much in flux and we were like, oh, I don't know if we're going to get to do this show or not. Um, we were like, hey, I like you. Do you like me? Because we like been building for a little while and we're like, yeah. And uh, two days later, the show was shut down. Um, and uh, and so the the theater was like, yeah, we're we're just going to send you all home. But like if you need to stay in the hotel we have you staying in for a while that's fine we already have it booked you know so you can stay there so i was gonna stay at the hotel and then she was like if you wanted you could come stay at my apartment so i just like lived with her for the first two weeks of the pandemic right after the initial confession of a crush it's not really a funny story but it's kind of a fun story if you're listening, it was such a lovely time, and I'm so glad that we're still good friends. It's uh, five little letters. It's uh, S-M-A-S-H. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? You got any fun confessing a crush stories? Uh, I have an embarrassing one. Yeah, that's what we want. So I was at writing camp. Yeah, that's how much of a fucking nerd I am. <laughs> I was at, it was high school, junior summer, at a writing camp in Florida. With a bunch of teenagers, oh my god, I feel so old saying that. With a bunch of other students like me around my age, <laughs> there was this one girl I was super into immediately because I thought she was so cute, and we were all playing um, some some game, I think uh, some game where there was like consequences, kind of like Truth or Dare, and they were talking about the punishment for two other people be like, oh, if you fail, you like you have to kiss them or whatever, and I wanted to clarify something. And I said, oh, no, no, no. Like, you have to kiss McKenna. And then that was not the, per that was my crush's name and not any of the two other people's names. And everyone looked at me and I was like, oh, shit, it's so clear. I was thinking about <laughs> you kissing were, McKenna. You were engineering I, this result. I left. <laughs> I said you that and I left. left. I left the room. <laughs> You're like, that's it. That's it. I'm done. I've, I've, I bombed this entire interaction. Yeah. There's she no ended up hooking up. Yeah. yeah. I was like, it's done. I, this is day two of writing camp, and I gotta go home. Mom, <laughs> I gotta me leave. Up. I need to leave Florida, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! On that note, I think it's time for the unkillable being. The unkillable being. So, audiences, unkillable being is a being that's unkillable. Episode after episode, we equip it with two traits to help it survive that specific apocalypse in the movie. And hypothetically, by the end of the podcast, we're going to have an immortal person. 
Uh, I'm not going to go through all the trades we've given it so far, but I'll go over the last three rounds. So from the movie for the movie Greenland, we gave it a pilot's license and a rifle. For Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, we gave it a loudspeaker system and a pair of Timberland boots. <laughs> and for Anime Apocalypse, we gave it a candy cane sword and an inflatable pool. Nice. It has nice. a bunch more traits. Th- those aren't the only ones, but listen to our other episodes to see what it's got. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the rules are that basically Morden contributes one, I contribute one. We mostly collaborate, uh, but yeah. You want to start? Yeah. Oh, yeah. another rule. It has to be plausible within the movie. Like, we yes. can't just say magic. Comic gun. <laughs> that was my one for this movie. <laughs> Why? No, There's no say, comment. I was just saying to piss you off. <laughs> this is mostly a joke, but I was going to say uh, they're a Democrat. <laughs> because they, they, believe in, they believe in climate change. Yeah, but if... That, that doesn't give them the power to do anything about the apocalypse or to survive the apocalypse. There were a bunch of Democrats that died in that movie. That's true. That's true. Um, what is making that sound? Oh, there's a truck outside or something. Um, you know, it's weird. I just kind of thought of something. You know how, you know, preppers? Yeah. You know how they're kind of traditionally thought of as conservative? Yeah. There are leftist preppers for sure, yeah, but for yeah, sure. it's it's like not it's not as common. Yeah, like it, well, it's the same thing. Of... Like, well, it's the same thing. It's it's so it's I find so funny is it's like the people who are most concerned about like a hostile government takeover or whatever are the people who will probably be least targeted by it. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, leftists like, start prepping. <laughs> but then this this is like the people who are most susceptible to a hostile government takeover not worrying about it. Like Right, right. Okay, cool. Anyway, yeah, you have a thing? It's weird. Um, no, I like, what's, uh, what's, um, what's up, man? What's up, Doc? What's a thing? I want to say like scientist or something like Dennis Quaid survived because he was smart and his son survived because he was smart and and also because he was willing to like listen to his dad and be like okay this is the most sensible thing to do i've been trust 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 in science <laughs> or like a science degree like a science like a scientist so, uh scientist might be too strong don't you think yeah it's also not specific enough it's like too general and i don't want to i don't want to go so far and like make them like a climate scientist um what are like specific things that helps characters survive well i have one there's no shoes i have two okay i was gonna suggest arctic deer because they were like hey do you have the arctic Mm. deer and it kind of encompasses all of it and i think that's fair because snowshoes by itself is not gonna take you far but the whole get up but see i like the idea of seeing the uv with just snowshoes on that's not gonna help okay we need to have a silly one (laughs) let me have a silly one 
Okay, I my other suggestion was kind of silly. Okay. But it's also very practical. Okay, I love that. Just books? Books. Just Dude, tons of out. books. Hear me out. In the movie, they use books as kindling to stay warm, obviously, because it's an ice storm. But also, when Emmy Rossum has sepsis, just like Little Roland Wanted, they, they uh, not confront. Um, what's the word? They, Sorry, say that again. Not confront. They don't confront the book. Consult. They consult. <laughs> they confront the book. Here ye book. textbook on how to on what Emmy Rossum has and how to treat her. So it's kind of a silly thing. It's like it's just books, but it helps the characters in the movie. So the question then is like, how many books? Are they just like dragging a bookcase along? Do they have a bookcase yeah, in their van? Do they have a small they have a small library? In their van. Okay, wait. I feel like we shouldn't. Have we said that they can read? They have basic computer knowledge. I feel can like they have to that be they able can to read. read. No, okay. They have to be able to read. Okay. That would be funny if we how, hadn't, and we could add that <laughs> they have the ability better. to read. They have a small library. My brain went to Kindle, van. but that like they, like defeats the point yeah that did that yeah kindle ironically cannot be used for kindle that's a good point yeah well i suppose the electronics maybe you can make a spark of it (laughs) i mean i just i guess just a bag of books um yeah just a bag of books yeah just like slung over their shoulder a bag Not of books snow snowshoes. If we're doing bag of books, we're doing Arctic gear. All right. What do you define as Arctic gear? The parka, gear? the what, goggles, what the gloves, got? the pants, the snowshoes. I'm not even mentioning so the much. tent or the pitons or the axe or the or the flashlight or this or any. <sighs> what if it was just like a nice winter coat? Parka and snowshoes. <laughs> Okay. Parker and Snowshoes. But we'll still call I that Arctic with that. Just for the... Okay. Yes, yes, yes. That'll be one chunk. A Parker and Snowshoes and a, okay. just a bag yeah, of so books. Okay, yeah, so for a day after tomorrow, we'll lock it in. Arctic gear and a bag of books. Is that it? Yeah. Maybe. Hey, you know what? Sure. Sometimes you just got to roll with it. Boom. Lock it in. Is this thing really going to be able to survive any apocalypse? Honestly, it's got a lot going yes, for it. I believe. It's got a lot going for it. I believe. I believe. I mean, by the end, it's going to yeah. have so many things that it's going to be able to build a shelter merely out of the possessions that it has. Well, it already has a shelter. This is true. This is true. Yeah, so I, I believe. I believe in it. We got to give it... Okay, no matter what, on the next one, I want to give it more fighting things. Not necessarily another gun or anything, but like fighting skill sets. You know? Sure. Because sure. there's a lot of apocalypses where you gotta fight shit. And That's we haven't fair. given it a lot there. That's fair. Yeah, I dig that. Okay, call it. How many episodes do you think until we're satisfied that it's immortal? Well, I don't know that it has to be immortal. Unkillable. Unkillable. Yeah. Um... 40 40 okay 
all right, we'll see. And that was Apocalypse <laughs> Now. <laughs> you didn't even have a word ready. You were just <laughs> like, ahead. I just Go waited. Ahead, <laughs> <Articulate>. <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. I Know Words. Because <laughs> <laughs> I read just like the unkillable being. Uh, this has been a Apocalypse Now. I'm Morgan Morris. I'm Ron Anaho. Stay frosty. <laughs> I'll see you the day after tomorrow. Hey. Hey. We always do something lame like that. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Perfect.